0: Another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24/7 Sports Network. Gabby, you smell that? Is that is that fresh football in the air? Football is in the air. Spring football right around the corner for the Miami Hurricanes football program. They start their month of off season, about a month of off season football on saturday i believe that's march 4th correct um if we're talking dates um, it's saturday so uh you know we will get to get our first look at this 2023 miami hurricanes football team so uh want to have a discussion about that i will say you know gabby and i earlier in february had a nice discussion where i think we went kind of position by position discussing the team in a specific way. So if you haven't heard that and want to hear more specifics, our thoughts on the team, go listen to that podcast earlier in the month. Um, But yeah, in this podcast, I think we're going to talk some big picture things we want to see from the team during the month of spring football. So we'll do that here in the second half of the episode. Uh, In this first half, you know, we got some coaching changes to discuss more staff changes happening and uh, some still yet to be filled. Uh, Miami has a big junior day here on TAP on Saturday, and Gabby's going to tell us some of the names we need to know for that. Uh, But before we jump into that, let's get some quick words in here from our sponsors. Attention business owners, I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices,
1: ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid.
0: All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today, erclawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke.
1: This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com.
0: All right, we are back. Gabby, staff changes. So uh, I think in the last podcast, we discussed how Tim Harris is expected to fill the running backs coach role uh, and how we both liked that hire wide receivers coach still has not been filled. And over the weekend, uh defensive end coach Rod Wright um, is headed back to or I don't know if it's back. I should just say going to the NFL yeah. level, back to his uh,
1: hometown. To... So we could go that route. You can go that sure. route.
0: With the Houston Texans. So he's going to be a defensive line coach at that level. So wish him luck there. Um, but let's start at wide receiver coach. You know, I think we kind of made it clear in, in our last podcast that we thought Leonard Hankerson was the primary target. Uh, Leonard Hankerson, former Hurricane, currently coaching with the San Francisco 49ers on that Kyle Shanahan staff. Uh, would be a a great hire uh, because of those accolades. Um, I think in the last podcast, too, we kind of made it clear that, look, even though he's the number one target, it might be a tough pull for Mario just because of, you know, the way things are now when coaches compare the lifestyle of coaching in college to the lifestyle of coaching in the NFL. I think it's a hard sell. Really, the only check, the, the only uh, box you can check as a pro on the college side of things is the money. I think uh, college pays better uh, the majority of the time for these assistants than the NFL level. But uh, quality of life factor, uh, the NFL dominates the college level uh, with, you know, NIL and Transfer Portal there's just some stuff that has to get sorted out at the college ranks to make sure the coaches don't go insane. Um, but anyways, wide receivers coach Gabby, um, I know you put some stuff out there on the board on Monday with Leonard Hankerson. What, what were you hearing? You've also put some stuff about Kevin Beard, other guys that have, uh, you know, interviewed for the position at wide receiver. Understanding too, there's, there's going to be way more guys that are interviewing as well that we don't know about. Um, But anyways, wide receivers coach, anything to add there?
1: Yeah. uh, I'm just with with Leonard Hankerson. I mean, it it just really, I think over the weekend, it just sounded to me like, you know, he was legitimately interested in the job and for, I mean, just kind of piggybacking on what you said, David, I think that there were a lot, there, there are obviously a lot more pros than cons to staying with the San Francisco 49ers one uh you know like you said the the calendar just i mean the recruiting calendar is an absolute grind right now uh between like you said the transfer portal you know m- like months that were typically slow uh, become active now because of the transfer portal. And especially with these transfer windows, you know, it kind of concentrates itself into, you know, these periods where it's just really, really heavy. You kind of have to go after it. Uh, The NIL is something too, where you're kind of, you know, obviously you, you're, that's something that, you know, I guess as a position coach, as a recruiter, you can't necessarily control, but it's still, you know, obviously a big factor and, you know, some college feedback I got even just over the course of the cycle was just, uh you know just like you know it's almost like not even about the relationships anymore at times you know it could just be about like you know really at the end of the day what do you have what, what what do you guys have to offer me uh you know and again i think that that's a situation that maybe could turn some coaches off as well i'm not saying that that's every situation but uh you know if if it, it can feel like that in this uh NIL era at times um And then, and like you said, just again, quality of life. And I do think when you start comparing like, yeah, I could probably make more money at the college level, but I'm also not really going to have a life. Um, I do think the NFL is, you know, obviously the more attractive option. And that's why, you know, with Leonard Hankerson, I do think he was strongly considering it, but uh, you know, I do think that he, he may opt to stay with the 49ers. Yeah. You know, again, I think the, the, the idea of him making more money, uh, he has five kids. He could have moved back to his, you know, his home area. He's not from Coral Gables or Miami. I think he's a Fort Lauderdale kid, but, uh, you know, back down to South Florida, he could have been closer to family, would have made more money. He would have kept more of his money, um, all those things. But again, I think professionally walking away from Kyle Shanahan, uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. I mean, Mike McDaniels just became a head coach uh, at, uh you know off of that Kyle Shanahan tree D'Amico Ryans just became a head coach off of that 49ers tree. Uh you know I think if Leonard Hankerson you know sits tight in San Francisco, I mean, is it far fetched to assume that maybe in a couple years, you know, he's kind of you know getting some offensive coordinator buzz or gets an opportunity to, you know, do something like that. Again, I think if you're one of these Kyle Shanahan assistants, I think that you know your career trajectory, again, if it's about your career, uh, you know, it, it would be kind of crazy to make a move like that uh, to the college level and just kind of walk away from that. So um, again, I think from the jump, it was kind of like for both of us, David, it was just kind of just like, you know, this would be a kind of wild uh, career move. But still, I do think it was something he seriously considered.
0: And then how about Kevin Beard?
1: Yeah, no, I, again, Kevin Beard, I know he's someone that, uh, you know, I guess we were, I think we, I mean, we reported on our board last week that he was interviewing for the job, Uh, I haven't heard much feedback other than the fact that, you know, they feel like he kind of just crushed his interview. Like they feel like he did a really good job, you know, kind of selling what he could be to the program. Uh, Again, he comes from that, uh, that Jason candle offense. And obviously, you know, that's an, that's an offense that Mario Cristobal highly respects. Kevin Beard is a Miami alum. So again, I think he's a name that makes a lot of sense, but I do think it's telling at this point that let's say Leonard Hankerson is off the board. Kevin Beard is someone that you know they they liked and they interviewed. Uh, You know Baltimore Ravens. uh, You know I guess pass game specialist Keith Williams is another name I could mention. Uh, I think some feel that like because T. Martin, uh, who was the Ravens wide receiver coach, got moved to quarterback coach, uh, that could potentially create a spot for Keith Williams to potentially be the wide receiver coach uh, with the Ravens. So I'm not sure if he's going to make the move down to the college level. Not saying he's not, but I think that that's a situation where some feel like you know Keith Williams can end up staying. Uh, you know, in the NFL. But for Ke- with Kevin Beard, um, you know, I do think it's telling that, again, that there hasn't been any resolution here. This is probably the position that we've maybe known longest was going to be open, right? The, you know, the yeah. receivers, because I feel like the writing was on the wall with Josh Gaddis, you know, probably dating back to, you know, dating back weeks to the point of when he was actually fired. So um I'm kind of curious which direction this goes, David, you mentioned that, You know, there could be other names that no one's really talking about or like, you know, names that are being interviewed that we don't know about um, that are in the mix here. Uh, So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something if this is another one of those maybe out of left field situations where, you know, we didn't sniff it out. And that's the that's who Miami lands at wide receiver coach. But uh, I think that's maybe the core group of names that we know of right now.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, we, we mentioned Leonard Hankerson being a Broward County guy, Kevin Beard is that as well. He played at Plantation High School, so he's from that Fort Lauderdale area. He was the wide receivers coach for Miami in 2015, which was the final year of the Al golden era, went on to be a quality control guy at Georgia uh, with, with James Coley, was the Tennessee wide receivers coach for one season, and then since 2018, he's been on that Toledo staff. So um, you know, there, there would be some local ties there, I guess, as well. And Broward County is an area where, in my opinion, Miami needs to significantly level up in terms of landing the elite talent that comes from that area. Um, and then you mentioned Keith Williams. You know, I was trying to figure out, Gabby, like, what, would, what is the connection point there? Why is, why is he a guy that would be interviewed, you know, somewhat out of the blue? for Miami. And my guess would be that uh, he coached at Tulane under coach Curtis Johnson. So Curtis Johnson was the head coach at Tulane from 2012 to 2015. Curtis Johnson was a longtime wide receivers coach for our young listeners out there uh, from 1996 to 2005. So some of the Some of the best wide receiver play uh, in Miami history was coached under uh, Curtis Johnson, who, you know, from the state of Louisiana, uh, you know, obviously landing a guy like Reggie Wayne out of there, et cetera, et cetera, in addition to all those big time receivers during that time. So I think that's the connection point. And, And obviously Mario Cristobal would know Curtis Johnson quite well and might ask him, for a name at wide receivers coach Curtis Johnson now is uh coaching for the Houston gamblers of the USFL. So anyways, wide receivers coach, we'll see where it is. Um, you know, you would have to think a hire would be made maybe by the start of spring ball, but even if it's not, you know, Miami is going on spring break the week after their first week yeah. of spring ball. So that just might give more time to sort through some interviews, et cetera, et cetera. There's, you know, at the end of the day, there's no point in rushing a decision to get a coach in just for the start of spring ball. You need to get a guy who's the right fit for hopefully two or three years. Um, And so uh, in my opinion, there's no need to rush here in the short term. And, you know, Taekwon Underwood, is still out there so uh the excellent wide receivers coach from Pittsburgh if I was Mario Cristobal I would make a strong run at that yes Uh, please but that's just me um defensive ends coach um so Rod Wright what are your thoughts on just this development what is what is Miami losing in coach Wright
1: yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, Rod Wright, I mean, again, he's someone, I think he had a, has a pretty strong resume. I mean, I think ECU broke like a conference record for like tackles for loss when he was coaching them, you know, he ended up becoming co-coordinator at UTSA who ended up, I think they won their conference and they were nationally ranked and Mario, Mario Cristobal was able to pluck him. You know, again, I think he's someone that did a good job. I mean, Miami land at the end of the day, landed three, uh, you know, top two, four, seven pass rushers between Jaden, Wayne, Ruben Bain, Collins, and Kian Pong uh, Rod, Wright, Obviously, you know, very involved. I mean, Mario Cristobal was too, I'm not going to say it was all Rod, Wright. Uh, Jason Taylor also had his, uh, you know, hand in that as well. But, you know, again, I think that this is a part of, you know, the deal where it's just like, look, an opportunity to go to the NFL and you don't have to grind through all this stuff anymore. It's his hometown. Uh, you know, just kind of going through my Rod Wright research when we kind of started hearing the whispers of, uh, you know, him, uh, potentially going to the Texans, uh, uh, it seems like him and D'Amico Ryans actually may have crossed paths uh, in 2017. Rod Wright did one of those summer uh, internships with the 49ers and uh, uh, D'Amico Ryans, I believe, was a defensive analyst uh, okay. uh, at the organization at the time. So they could have developed a, a friendship or relationship during that summer uh, that obviously, you know, eventually, you know, years down the line led to an opportunity for him to go back home. So, uh, you know, again, I mean, I, th- I think, you know, this is one of those things, David, right, where, you know, they're, you're probably going to have to replace assistants. Uh, every off season, it's very rare that you just see, you know, an entire staff carry over. So uh, I think it creates an interesting situation. I mean, past, you know, if in terms of staff structure, do you hold on to a defensive ends coach? I mean, you hired an inside linebackers coach and Derek Nicholson, do you go outside linebackers? I think that, uh, you know, again, I think it creates a, an opportunity to maybe restructure a little bit, even more on defense uh, again. And I, I think everyone's kind of pointing to Jason Taylor as like, you know, kind of the shoe in, a uh, replacement for Rod Wright, but, you know, I'm kind of pumping the brakes there a little bit too, because, uh, you know, I do believe that Jason Taylor is in the mix for a job on, uh, you know, Mike McDaniels, Dolphin staff, uh, you know, under new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio. And I think that that's a role that he is strongly considering. And I think Mario Cristobal is, uh, is definitely, I don't want to say holding on for dear life or fighting for his life, but they are doing what they, they're doing everything they they can to try to get Jason Taylor to stay to stick around and be on this hurricane staff. But uh, I get, I think that would be an absolute home run if Jason Taylor does become right. Miami's defensive ends coach. But uh, again, I don't think that that's just like a, a layup for anything like that for Miami. Again, this is an opportunity, a potential opportunity for him to not have to leave his hometown. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, he's obviously a South Florida guy coach at St. Thomas Aquinas coaches at Miami. He can coach at the NFL level un- at an organization where he became an NFL hall of famer. Um, again, I think his commute to work would be a little bit shorter too. So, um, you know, I think a lot of, uh, positives for, uh, you know, if I'm Jason Taylor looking at the Dolphins situation and seeing how attractive that may be again, and then you don't have to recruit, you know, 12 months uh, around the year, you can kind of just be a coach. And I think, again, that's something that, you know, they're trying to figure out. So that's probably one of the situations, uh, you know, we're probably watching closest right now.
0: Yeah. I think from Miami's perspective, yes, they'd love it if Jason Taylor was the guy after Rod Wright here. Um, But is that what Jason Taylor wants to be determined? I would not expect it, I guess is the best way to put it. But again, Mario's going to try. And look, I think if we're being honest too, more moves could potentially be on the table as well with the staff, whether that's on field or off field. I don't think anything is necessarily finished with this type of movement until the NFL hiring, hiring cycle is fully concluded. And, you know, if, if you keep an eye on coaching changes around the country in college football, there's, there's changes happening at every program. So it's not just Miami that's kind of going through this stuff, Definitely and, uh, not. you know, we'll see. I, I think. think I
1: read, t- I think I read today, I think uh, Brandon Marcello of 24 seven sports, he tweeted out today that there's still 28 uh, college openings and there's four defensive coordinator jobs still unfilled. And there are a lot of programs who have already started spring football. Like I think like eight or nine programs started today. I think some started even last week. So there, I mean, th- this is not a university of Miami problem. This is uh, you know, something that colleges all across the country um, are dealing with. And, 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 and in some cases, you know, in a, in, some programs in worse spots in terms of not having a coordinator or something like that. So, uh, you know, again, I think this is not something specific to to what the situation here.
0: Junior day talk, Gabby. You've been all over it uh, in terms of some of the bigger names that are expected to be at Miami here this weekend. Um, so, yeah, I guess let's just have a discussion on some of the big names that you think deserve to be highlighted that are expected to be and Coral Gables this weekend, so the floor is yours.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, again, big Junior Day, uh, an opportunity for Miami to get some some dudes on campus. I I, I do want to start off by saying that, you know, I think in a lot of ways they are not they're not going to have. It's not just like an open, not, not that it's not an open invitation, but it's not like they're. You know, trying to get every single one of their top targets to this junior day. I don't think that this is one of those situations. I think that they kind of carefully curated this list to maybe some, you know, out of state guys, out of town guys, because I do think they want to, you know, I think they do value that, you know, independent one on one time or maybe more intimate settings where they can really, really, you know, get in, get, you know, in, in rooms with, uh, you know, their top targets and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be, I think there's a lot of really, really talented prospects coming in. But I wouldn't be like, you know, caught off guard or just like, hey, what's going on here? If you're not hearing, you know, especially some of the top local names, I don't think that this event is for those types of guys. Yeah. I think they're going to get those dudes on campus, but just not at this event. So with that being said, um, you know, still really, I think it's an impressive group of 2024s, at least from what we've been able to gather so far. I, ha- I hope to have a, a more completed, uh, you know, scope of what this list is going to look like later on in the week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, probably the headliner of the event five-star edge rusher elijah rushing he's uh an arizona native uh so he's the number one ranked edge rusher in the country for 24-7 sports right now so that's a big deal uh top two-four-seven offensive lineman brandon baker we currently have him ranked as the number one offensive tackle in the country he's out of santa Ana, matter day and uh if you follow high school football that school should sound familiar to you because it is a national powerhouse. Uh, his teammate, uh, top two, four, seven defensive lineman, Aiden Breeland is another one that's coming to, he's one of Miami's top defensive tackle prospects uh, in this class of 2024. And again, I think we've kind of, ha- hopefully we ha- we've hammered home the fact that a defensive tackle is going to be a major, major uh, position of need here in 2024. So I think that's a big deal. Uh, T.A. Cunningham is another top two, four, seven defensive lineman out of California, Originally from Georgia. And I think when the 2024 class rankings debuted, he was the, the number one overall player for, for that period. So uh, definitely a talented kid, six foot six, 265 pounds. Uh, a couple of, uh, you know, a, another defensive lineman they really like, Kendall Jackson out of uh, Gainesville uh, Buholtz. Uh, he's someone that they really like as, a, as an edge rusher. And uh, a couple more, uh, you know, offensive linemen that are notable four-star interior lineman, Daniel Cruz out of Texas. He's someone they really like. Uh, Juan Manaya, who's a big, big offensive tackle out of uh, New Jersey, Paramus Catholic. He's coming. Um, we got Mike Williams, an offensive lineman out of the Maryland area, who's already been on campus. He's a big offensive lineman that they like too. A couple guys from the Sunshine State too. Uh, Khalil Cummings, is uh, he's from Bradford, Georgia, which is kind of like North Florida. I didn't know where it was. I had to look it up on a map but he's one of Miami's top safety targets. So uh, I think it's a big deal that he's going to be on campus. Same goes for Brandon Jacob. He's a four-star safety out of the Orlando area. Miami's going to get him on campus. And uh, running back, Chris Wheatley Humphrey, he is a Fort Lauderdale kid, averaged 16.7 yards per carry and ran for over 1,000 yards at South Broward as a junior. He transferred to Fort Lauderdale Dillard. So he is going to succeed, uh, um uh, Christopher Johnson, who of course just signed with Miami. So, uh, you know, still a, a few, you know, big, you know, big names, especially in that class of 2024. Colton Heinrich is another one I should mention. He's a ta- he's a, a, a tight end out of Cardinal Gibbons. who is getting just an absolute ton of offers right now. I believe LSU offered, uh, you know, on Monday night, uh, you know, Alabama's offered a bunch of big time programs. Miami's really excited to get eyes on him in person. So it's gonna be a good event. You know, it's definitely there's definitely gonna be some some big names, some important prospects who are coming down. Uh, I it could potentially be light on some local guys. I think it's kind of one of those things where we'll probably know the day of who actually ends up showing up in front of in terms of uh, some local talent. Cause of course, Miami's always a drive away. So uh, we've seen that in the past where maybe some local guys who weren't expected end up just kind of popping in, uh, especially now with it being the first day of spring practice. So uh, I- I'm excited about this event, David. I think it's going to be a good one for for Miami.
0: Seems like just the names you were listing, uh, strong emphasis on O-line, D-line. Yeah. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think that's super fair. I mean, I think the trenches, I, I think we know at this point that that's kind of where it starts uh, with these guys. And, uh, you know, I think those are two positions that I think we've seen that they are willing to go national, at right. Like they signed a, uh, you know, Jaden Wayne, who, who you know played at IMG, but I mean, really like a Seattle kid, Collins Akianpong, originally from Ghana, played in California, uh, Josh Horton uh, from Georgia. So you know, and then on the offensive line, of course, Francis Malagoa, who again IMG kid, but from American Samoa, Samson Lola from Massachusetts. So I think, uh, you know, these trench guys, you know, I think it's a big deal to get some of those dudes from, you know, out of the state, you know, those guys that they're really, really going to recruit nationally uh, to get them on campus now. So I think that is a, I think that is one of the things that maybe they prioritize for this specific event. And uh, again, we've seen, we've seen these types of things pay off in the past and this kind of be a, you know, kind of a stepping stone in, in the recruiting process, a big event. I think, uh, you know, we talked about that 2022 Elite Prospect Day as a as a major event in 20. You know, in, during that cycle, uh, I think that the I think this should maybe be more considered, maybe that Elite Prospect Day, where it's not just uh, where it's, it's maybe more designed to get some of these top national kids on campus. So, um, I yeah. think that's the way that Miami's viewing it, at least from what I understand.
0: And they had a, what it was it January? There was a battle seven on seven tournament in Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, those are all skill guys for the most part. And a lot of those guys came through. So they've had a bunch of skill guys on campus already. Also, too, just a function of seven-on-seven seven events, camp events, uh, track and field. Generally, those are more skill guys that are going to be participating in those things. So, um, you know, getting those those guys down on weekends might not be as easy as it is with the uh, line of scrimmage players. So uh, I do think, I, I kind of like that they're they're heavily investing in the O-line, D-line here on this first uh, junior day. Um, here's the dreaded question that you hate, that any recruiting reporter hates. <laughs> but we got to throw it out there. Chances somebody commits this weekend.
1: Ooh. Chances someone commits this weekend. Um, I don't know. I feel like obviously, I mean, it's, I mean, you go, I feel like it's kind of a cop out, but there's like think
0: you know of, going yeah, there's
1: nothing, week. there's nothing I know of specifically going into this week. Um, I, I don't know if, if someone does commit, I'm not sure it's going to be some like elite blue chip guy. Like, I'm not saying anything like that, but you know, like, let's say a guy like Dalen Russell, who's at Columbus is a defensive lineman that they kind of like, you know, he's a local kid who, you know, again, at Mario Cristobal's alma mater, like maybe if you want to just kind of try to, you know, highlight some guys who could be on that watch, like, you know, maybe Dalen Russell, someone you can throw on there. Another one that maybe I would keep my eye on, maybe Milton Ferguson. He's a cornerback out of Virginia Beach. Uh, He's someone Miami really, really likes. I know he's someone that's a take. Um, you know, I think Pitt is another school that he, that's really battling for him, but I do think Miami's in a really good spot there. I know he's also considering programs like Coastal Carolina and like James Madison, but again, I know Miami would take him. Um, You know, he's someone that's visiting, and maybe if something blows him away, I could see him being someone that's on commit watch. I think the first time this happened to us, David, was last year with Antonio Trip. right? He was like right. the first domino to fall, and it came after like a multi-day unofficial visit. So um, I'm maybe someone that stays the weekend or just kind of, you know, anything like that. But there's no one uh, right now on my radar where I'm just like, yeah, I think this dude's going to commit right now or anything like that.
0: And then, you know, just a big picture recruiting question. Miami has one commitment in this 2024 class right now. It's from a punter in Abram Murray. In your opinion, you know, we're March is right around the corner. We're recording this the day before the next month. Is that something that concerns you at all?
1: No, because I, I feel like, again, I feel like this was kind of like the same deal. For, I, mean, I mean, last year, I don't know how many commits they had at this time. They might have had zero or maybe like one. And it was like Lamar Seymour who ended up not in the class. Um, I'm not super concerned. I feel like we kind of did this whole song and yeah. dance last cycle too. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, when's the first one going to drop? And then it was trip. And then it kind of just got rolling. And I think we saw how important the summer has become, right? And I think now they're even expand expanding uh official visits like in april like you could start taking like april official visits so you know i think there's some guys that could maybe take spring visits so maybe it gets rolling sooner uh rather than later but again i think a lot of these elite dudes we're going to start seeing you know they take a, like you know two or three maybe four official visits uh you know in that in that month of june and then we can start seeing that wave like we saw last year you know that goes you know june into july where it was just like what well, david wasn't there a point where we had like 11 commits and like a 20 day period or something like that. Yeah. Like it gets, it gets hot in the, in those summer in months. July. So no, I'm yeah. not, I'm definitely not concerned. Um, You know, I, I believe, you know, these guys are going to be able to get, you know, what they need to get. And again, I think they're, you know, Mario Cristobal himself is a fantastic recruiter and I think his personal investment into it is always going to give Miami a chance to land some elite dudes. So no, not, not concerned right now.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, the recruiting process matters year round. Right. But If we're just talking strictly commitments, to me, those don't really matter until July. That's when kind of closing time starts. And that's the starting point, I think, of when, generally speaking, commitments stick when guys commit in July. Uh, And then obviously through the December early signing period. So in terms of commitments, I wouldn't get all bent out of shape until the end of July and you know if you look at the commit list and it has you scratching your head at that point then I'm with you but right now you know i i think it's early and guys got to go through the process a little bit and quite frankly Miami has to go through the process a little bit with evaluating who they truly truly want at some positions so there's no rush you don't you know Miami used to be uh, the best recruiting program in the country in February and March. Yeah. And then they would be decommit you at the end of the cycle. So don't need to go down that road anymore. Um, good stuff, Gabby again, it's going to be a busy weekend with the star spring ball junior day, etc. cetera. Uh, we will have a 50% off annual sale running on the website Thursday through Monday. So, um, If you all want to jump in on the VIP fund, uh, take advantage of that deal, 50% off. So let's take a quick break. And then on the other side, Gabby, we'll do some spring football discussion. All right, Gabby, uh, spring football is right around the corner. And, uh, you know, again, we did kind of a position by position grinder of a podcast where we discussed how we feel about a lot of the players on the team going into the spring. Um, and so I would, I just kind of want to have like a big picture discussion about what we want to see out of this spring. Um, and so, you know, I've said, hey, let's each just bring three talking points to the podcast that we think is is worth uh discussing here with spring football around the corner we don't know the talking points we're each gonna bring up uh, so it, it it might be a fun discussion but um gabby i'll let you have the floor first what what is something you want to see out of this spring
1: yeah. I mean, maybe the first thing for me, again, uh, just being recruiting focused and, you know, obviously, you know, you know, focusing sure. a lot of times on the freshman class, I'm really curious to see which one of Samson Akinlola or, and Francis Malagoa kind of best position themselves, uh, you know, to maybe be, uh, you know, top contributor or potentially even a starter, David, just because I think we feel good about maybe four of the, you know the starting spots between Zion Nelson at left tackle, Jalen Rivers, uh, you know potentially at one of the guard spots, uh, Matt Lee at center, and then Javian Cohen at the other guard spot. But I think that right tackle uh, position is 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 kind of open, and I think both Samson Lola and Francis Malagoa have the tools to potentially take it. And I I think watching kind of that battle, or maybe and maybe even to see who else could could involve themselves in that is going to be really interesting. I do think that uh, you know in in a perfect world. Uh, for Miami, one of those two guys uh, takes that spot or pushes, even maybe pushes Jalen Rivers to right tackle and, you know, earns like a starting spot on this line. So I'm curious which one of those two uh, really, you know, kind of I- ends up emerging in front of the other, uh, you know, during this spring, or if maybe m- both of them do, and, and maybe like they really start fighting, uh, you know, potentially taking someone else's spot. Uh, I don't know, but I think, uh, you know, the battle between those two is going to be one that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, to watch because obviously those are two of the absolute prized uh, recruits from this uh, 2022 recruiting or 2023 recruiting cycle. And uh, I think that both are coming into spring with some pretty high expectations.
0: So if you were going to call it, uh, obviously it's, it's going to play out however it plays out during the course of the spring. But going into spring, knowing what we know, etc., who would you expect, you know, if it is a scenario where One of them has an opportunity to earn a starting job. Who would you predict going into spring? Because I know, I'll admit, like before they arrived on campus, I kind of had Francis circled as that guy simply because, you know, he played at IMG. I think you would, and I think it is the case, he was a little more polished up with the training he got there. But I will admit most of the chatter and buzz I'm getting is the leaps and the jumps Samson Okunlola is making during the offseason program here at Miami going into spring. So I'm curious, who would you, who would you predict of those two ends up being the quote unquote starter after spring ball?
1: Yeah. I I, I mean, I think I'm still going to ride with Francis for now and maybe my mind will change when we actually see Samson, and all that stuff. And again, you know, all the, again, everything coming out of what Samson's doing has been, has been incredible, David, and, and just all, everything that he's been able to do. But again, I think we've been exposed to Francis so much. And again, I, I do think he's, you know, extremely advanced in terms of just, you know, other offensive linemen that I've seen at the same stage, you know, have seen him take on, you know, the absolute elite of the elite uh, in terms of pass rushers, uh, you know, again, even, you know, in camp settings and all those different types of things. And I mean, I feel like Francis is just kind of, one of those dudes. So I, I I do think Francis is maybe going in with a better, you know, again, I, I just think he's maybe more a, a cleaner tackle right now, just more, you know, again, more technical, just again, I think that he has that type of ceiling where he can be a three year starter and, you know, be off to the NFL. And again, I don't think that that's something that would be scary to Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal. I, we, we've heard the Pene Sewell comparisons and uh, uh that's exactly what he did for them at Oregon so uh right now I would probably give the edge to Francis Magoa uh but you know again I wouldn't be surprised if Samson and Lola ended up being the guy because we know what he is too and just kind of seeing him in person uh you know especially at school is uh you know it's 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 eye-opening because he is such a massive human being um you know so again I, I'm I, I could see this going either way uh but you know right now I would probably lean Francis.
0: So my talking point that I want to bring up just to build off this, it has to do with the offensive line to the points you're making. And I'm curious, like, how does the offensive line take the field? And I think there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching during the course of the spring. Um, But just some questions I would throw out there. And honestly, I don't know the answer, but I think it's worth just throwing it out there. Do we really feel good about Zion Nelson definitely being in the top five.
1: Yeah. I think that's fair
0: because do we know if he's going to be good to go at the start of spring? I don't, I don't know about his injury status, uh, coming off last year. Um, you know, do we, do we even feel good about Zion Nelson? Definitely being the left tackle, right? Um, you know, last year they played him at right tackle, which I think is notable. They, they definitely went all in. John, Campbell being the left tackle. And when Zion did play in his two games before he shut it down for the season, he was, uh, rotated in as a backup right tackle. So to me, that's a little interesting. Um, and so, you know, I do think it's on the table for Sampson to be lining up as a first team left tackle by the end of, uh, by the end of the spring, and even potentially at the start of the spring. Um, and, you know, if that's the case, does that mean Zion is healthy? Well, first of all, is Zion healthy? If Zion is healthy, is he your right tackle? Do you make Jalen Rivers your right tackle? I think he has the ability to play right tackle at the college level. You know, Francis Maui Goa, I think, is a natural right tackle. But do you want to have two true freshmen, offensive tackles starting for you um they're definitely talented enough to do it um but just being young inexperienced players um you know there is there is that uh you know element where they could get overwhelmed by some looks by that experienced defensive coordinators might throw at them um and so i'm just curious like I think there's a lot of different directions to go with lining up this offensive line. And I think, you know, generally speaking, the way Alex Mirabal likes to do it is the first two weeks kind of cross train, uh, the offensive line at different spots, see how guys respond. And then, the, you know, the final weeks of spring ball, he likes to have his five set and let them develop at those spots for the most part, while continuing to cross train a little bit. Um, so, I I will admit I I number one I want to see if Zion Nelson's healthy because yeah. that's something I don't know about.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think I have an answer for you, David. Because as you were saying that, I think this is a benefit of just having random conversation. We can just do live well. updates, right? So just What's checked in. Just checked in. Um, person I'm talking to you seriously doubts that he's going to be ready to go for spring football. It's the vibe I have. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, I, I don't know. They're saying I guess he, he hasn't even really ran yet. So uh, yeah. I don't think Zion Nelson's going to, again, just based on a quick feeler that I put out there, I'm not sure that and we're going to see Zion out there, year. especially on Saturday. Yeah.
0: That's what we saw last fall, right? So he yep. did have some sort of setback during the year. He was wearing a significant knee brace at the end of the season. It didn't look good. So now that that's confirmed to me, that just means Samson is your left tackle. Right. And honestly,
1: Francis Francis and Samson is this, this is what you brought these guys in to do. Right.
0: Well, here's another discussion. Okay. I hope that they don't waste any time with this stuff. Like don't make it a situation where, okay, you have to earn, you have to earn the playing time and beat out this career backup.
1: Yeah. Don't make them beat out Chris Washington, you know, over the course
0: of a week, right? Like, let's go, let's get your five best out there. Um, You know, let's get it going now. So don't waste any time. Uh, And so, you know, I think that just kind of cements Samson as your, your left tackle for this spring. Um, And and honestly, I think for the season. Uh, And so if it were me, what would I do? I would go left tackle Sampson, left guard Jalen Rivers. I think they've been uh, training a lot together since Sampson's arrived here as an early enrollee. And I think Jalen can help him uh, in terms of the calls and checks and getting on the same page as a true freshman. Uh, and then of course, Matt Lee is the center, right guard Javian Cohen, and then I would go right tackle Francis Maui Goa. Now, I think you could go Inez Cooper, left guard, and Jalen Rivers, right tackle. Or you could go Javian Cohen, left guard, next to Sampson, uh, to give him a veteran guy. Put Inez Cooper on the right side, next to Jalen Rivers, and then you know, give Francis an opportunity to try and beat one of those two guys out on the right side. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is I think it's going to be interesting how, you know, it seems like they got, if you count, if you don't count Zion being healthy, it seems like they got six guys for five spots. And I think there is some position versatility amongst those six guys. And so how does it play out to get your five best on the field? Do you have any opinions this way?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, again, I, I'm with you with the, uh, with uh, get, get those guys on the field. I mean, just kind of figure it. I mean, put one of those guys at, at that left tackle spot. If it's Samson, if it's Francis, again, probably Samson. Again, just don't waste your, like, I love the way you said it, just like not wasting your time with it because it's just, I think those, when you talk about like overall talent on the line, I mean, I think Samson and Francis are probably amongst, you know, that group of five most talented, you know, that you yes. kind of got. So, uh, I mean, I think that I I, I'm, I would be quick to, you know, shuffle both those guys into the first
0: five. If we're being honest, Mario Cristobal cares about recruiting, right? Right. You're going to have a lot of line of scrimmage players there this weekend. Yep. It makes a statement if you got your two five-star true freshmen out there with the first yeah. team, does it yeah. not?
1: Yeah, it definitely does. Especially again, we said Brandon Baker is going to be there. He's again currently listed as the number one offensive tackle in the country for us at 247 sports. So uh, I think, and again, Mario Cristobal coached his older brother. I think there's a connection there. And I think if you're an offensive lineman, you see two true freshmen, you know, amongst that first five, I think you're going to kind of tilt your head a little bit and be like, okay, you know, maybe this is a situation worth, you know, go- going cross country for. So uh, again, I think it's a, I think it would be wise to give those guys plenty of looks with that, with that first group.
0: All right. Next talking point. You want to snake draft this or just go back and forth ping pong?
1: No, we, we can, we can snake it, man. You go ahead and take this one.
0: So mine is kind of your, the next one I want to touch on is kind of your area of expertise, but I am curious how it plays out because it has to do with recruiting. And I just want to know, and and this to be determined in a lot of ways as well, because They still have some hires to make, but how do the new assistants do with leveling up the recruiting? I think, you know, you could push back on this once I'm done, Gabby, but I think Lance Guidry will be a recruiting upgrade over Kevin Steele. I think Shannon Dawson will be set up to land a higher caliber recruit at quarterback simply because he is the offensive coordinator and is coaching the quarterback position. I think that helps. Again, I don't, I didn't have an issue with the way Frank Ponce recruited as the quarterback's coach, uh, but I just think it makes it easier when you are also the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach to recruit quarterbacks. Uh, I think Tim Harris Jr. is a young and hungry coach that I think is going to be more willing to put the time in, with recruiting and that grind that Kevin Smith did Derek Nelson, I think is a young, young and hungry coach that again, I, you know, Charlie strong, big time resume, uh, you know, lots of history there, but if we're talking today, I think Derek Nicholson as a young hungry guy gives you more recruiting upside today than Charlie strong. Um, And again, we'll see what the defensive end and wide receiver coach hires look like. But to me, you know, look, I think there's no question that this 2023 staff does not have the resume of the 2022 staff. I think that's a fair statement to make, and that's not throwing shade at this 2023 staff. But I do think the potential is there for this 2023 staff to be much better on the recruiting trail. And I like the idea of that, when you pair it with a maniacal recruiter like Mario Cristobal, and so I think we're going to see, you know, this spring, beyond this junior day, there's going to be a ton of recruits just rolling through. Oh yeah. During during spring football, and so I'm curious to see how does this, and it's probably not going to even be immediate results in terms of recruiting commitments and all that stuff uh but in general this is going to lay the groundwork on the recruiting success for this cycle how does it go with this new staff
1: yeah i mean i I want to push back on on the again i mean i've said on the podcast before i mean i don't think you can credit kevin Steele with a recruiting win uh i think the only one again like people at least internally i think they give him credit for is terry roberts uh, so I think by, I think naturally uh, Lance Guidry is a, is a, is an upgrade uh, again. And I think he, it's, he seems like a willing recruiter too, right? I mean, he's from right. the state it's of Louisiana. Effort. Yeah, exactly. It, I think for just from an effort standpoint, again, I don't think Kevin Steele was brought in to be a recruiter. I think Lance Guidry uh, right. gives you some more of that. So I think uh, naturally just by existing <laughs> Lance Guidry is a, is a better recruiter currently than Kevin Steele is at this point of his career. Uh, Shannon Dawson. Look, I think, a part of, you know, even the, I'm not going to say the issue, but, you know, with the staff structure of Josh Gaddis being the wide receiver coach and offensive coordinator, Frank Ponce being the quarterback's coach, like, could Frank Ponce, like, you know, offer really like every single quarterback that maybe he wanted to offer or did he kind of have to bring it back to the table, run it by Mario Cristobal, run it by, you know, Josh Gaddis kind of of those. I think Shannon right. Dawson maybe has a little bit more flexibility to go after some quarterbacks that he knows fits his system best. And yeah, I'm sure maybe right. he still has to get, you know, a checkoff from the, from, sure. from, from Ball or whatever the case may be. But I do think that Shannon Dawson maybe having the ability to identify what he wants from his offense and going out, going after quarterback and then being able to say, Hey, I'm going to coach you. And this is my offense. I think again, structurally, I think that makes Shannon Dawson's ability to go and land a bigger arm, uh, you know, more possible. And Jade, I, I mean, you can also, you know, other side of the coin there is, Hey, Frank Ponce, you know, got Jaden Rashad, got Jaden Rashad at one point. But uh, I think we saw the way that that recruitment played out. And uh, I don't know if there's any single person that deserves any credit for, uh, you know, Jaden Rashada's recruitment on either Miami or Florida's uh, staff. Benjamin Uh, Franklin. Yes. Uh, So I don't I don't think that that's necessarily a fair way to look at that. So, yeah, you know, I can definitely get on board with Shannon Dawson being an upgrade at at recruiter as, as a quarterback recruiter. Um, and then Tim Harris, I mean, I think maybe that's the one where it's just like, I'm kind of still in wait and see mode because has he had to really recruit an elite running back that's yet? Fair. The um, resume you know, isn't there yet. Yeah, the resume, I, again, and I, I I, think that the potential is is definitely there. I think his ability, wow, I just dropped a whole bottle, That's bad podcasting. Um, uh, I think his good. potential, oh, good. Um, I think that his potential to recruit elite backs is definitely there. Uh, I like his co- his trajectory as a coach, but I mean, I think Kevin Smith's resume is, is, was really good too. I mean, at the end of the day, yes. I think he closed with the guys that he needed to close to uh, close with, with Mark Fletcher, with Chris Johnson. I think he's done it in the past too, even at FAU with a guy like Larry McCammon. He ultimately was uh, the primary recruiter for Quinshot Judkins uh, at Ole Miss, who so he's now going to get a, a chance to actually coach. Oh, he also got a guy like Henry Parrish to FAU, you know, which I think is something, I think there's something to be said about that. And then of course, you know, got him to, to Ole Miss or and ended up getting him to Ole Miss and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I I would probably still, you know, take Kevin Smith's resume over Tim Harris Jr.'s resume. But again, I think you yes. kind of pair the you know, with the young, hungry recruiter and uh, the up and coming status of Harris Jr. And I think, you know, you have to feel good about what that could still even look like here in the future so you know again i really wouldn't push back on on any of the others and what
0: about what about nicholson i know you've gotten so yeah yeah no back
1: for sure no uh, nicholson i think is i think that's a very i think that's one of maybe the most significant upgrades and again that's not a knock on charlie strong but again i think charlie strong is at a point of his career where he's kind of you know done everything that he's kind of needed to do i think Derek nicholson's a young uh you know hungry recruiter i mean he was Stanquan clark's primary recruiter for louisville i mean Kind of they, he, they held off, you know, uh, a strong push by Miami and Derek Nicholson is the one that ultimately kind of got him to stick around. And, uh, you know, I do think that he's someone that's highly respected as a recruiter and as a relationship builder. And again, he's been at Louisville. He was going to be at Cincinnati with, with Satterfield. And I think now here at Miami, I think he's going to maybe have access to a pool of talent that maybe he hasn't had at any other point of his career. So I do think that there are people that are very optimistic about, uh, you know, what Derek Nicholson's going to be able to do at Miami in terms of, you know, elevating the room. And I think they did a good job with the Malik Bryant, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, with uh, Bobby Washington, uh, Marcellus Pulliam, and uh, who's uh, Raul Aguirre also. But again, I do think Nicholson is someone who, can upgrade, uh, you know, is an upgrade as, as a recruiter just because I think he's someone that's going to be able to relate. And I think he's someone that's recruited South Florida before, if, you know, if you care about that type of stuff. But I also think he's going to, you know, have the chops to recruit nationally as well. And I know people are really excited about, uh, you know, what he brings to the staff.
0: Next talking point, what do you got? The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Starr is committed to growing his client's wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Starr knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or
1: buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Star directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have
0: a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text Star today at 561-573-4661. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later. And the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way.
1: Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things.
0: Text 305. 393-7698, 393-7698, or email globalchoice-consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers, for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other States as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at Torres Lionel one, the number one at gmail.com. LT pro enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs.
1: Yeah. uh, My next point was uh, I had had to hear my notes, Uh, which second year player takes the biggest leap. I think that that's a, I think that that's, uh, you know, one of the things that I think we should all be excited about. Again, this was Mario Cristobal's first class, and I think that there was some big-time talent that he acquired. I think, you know, you look at guys like Nigel e. Kelly, Wesley Bessaint, uh Jaleel Skinner, even maybe you know, an Ahmad Moten, who I think is getting some positive feedback. Uh, you know, we're getting some positive feedback on him. Uh, who, who's really going to kind of emerge? I feel like this is kind of a time, especially for these guys that were early enrollees, to maybe really kind of take that next step into college football. So I'm curious, uh, you know, which one of these uh, second year guys uh, kind of makes that jump. I mean, I would probably put my money on Wesley Bassane and Nigel E. Kelly. I think those are two guys who are primed to, you know, take on bigger roles and to kind of thrive here in 2023. But I do think it was a, a small, but really talented class. And I think there's a couple pieces on there uh, who could, you know, really, really help if they were to kind of, again, take that next step in their development. Yeah.
0: There's quite a bit. I mean, you mentioned two there that are talented. Um Colby Young.
1: Colby it's Young in that yeah. group
0: as well. No doubt. You know, uh Isaiah
1: Horton is someone that I think Isaiah we're getting, Horton. you know, we're getting positive feedback on as well. I mean, you can throw Cooper. Chris Inez Cooper, Chris Graves, Mike, uh, Matthew McCoy. I mean, are we are we just writing him off too? I think he's someone I know you like Matthew McCoy a lot, David. Uh, you know, I think yeah. he's someone that we can't just again, we I don't know if we can totally write him off of. You know everything. I know he's gone through some injuries and stuff too. But I think that there's a lot of second year guys. I mean, I don't know how healthy Trevante Citizen is right now either. Right. Um, But you know, I think he's someone that you can maybe throw in there also.
0: And this doesn't even necessarily, in my mind, at least, it doesn't even necessarily mean like taking the next step to be a star. Yeah. You can you can take the next step and be a serviceable depth player. In your second year, and that's that's a step that should be appreciated as well. You know, like a guy. Like you mentioned, Ahmad Mote, right? if he can take the next step as that defensive tackle that can eat some snaps there as a run-stopping defensive tackle, I think there's definite value to that. Markeith Williams, if he can be the third safety that they think they need, I think that's a nice step. Jaden Harris, uh, you know, another corner that's young, fast, smart. There's some tools there to develop. You know, it, it's just, it's hard to predict. Uh, the timeline on development. And so there is talent in that transition clash, like you were alluding to. Um, And more of those guys that do step up, Jakari Brown, right? Might not see him much this year on the field. um, But if he develops behind the scenes, maximizes what he can be from a development standpoint this year, that's a huge, huge thing for the program. So um, I agree, that's a good one. And spring football is a time for guys to kind of make some noise. So uh, I like that. Um, All right, my point. I'm gonna touch on the transfer portal additions. And really, uh, what I'm curious about is, what is the hit rate on these transfer portal additions? Uh, I think, Gabby, if you could tell me if I'm being too harsh here, but if you look back to last year's transfer portal class, do you find it overly impressive? In my opinion, you look at it, I would want, I would qualify three guys as hits. Akeem Mezador. Yeah. Daryl Jackson, who unfortunately left the program uh, to go to Florida State. And I would I would put Henry Parrish in that category as well. I think some guys were contributors, like Mitchell Agude, Daryl Porter, Frank Latson. Uh, and then there were some misses. I would put Caleb Johnson there. Unfortunately, he yeah. never really took off at linebacker. Logan Sagapolo, uh, Antonio Moultre, Jake Lichtenstein, Jonathan Dennis, you know, even though that was more so due to injury. But I guess the point I'm making is they took, what, 11, I think, yeah. transfers last year, and three were hits, you know, three more were contributors. So, like, half the class was, like, okay. So right now they've taken eight, I believe. To me, they need to have like six or seven of those guys as hits. And we'll find out this spring how those guys look. I feel good about their O-linemen that they took. I think those guys are a lock to be hit. I will admit, personally, I'm kind of in let's see it mode with the defensive linemen. I think they can be solid rotational players. And, and that would be a hit if they can do that. But, um, you know, let's see. I, I think Francisco Maui Goa can be a hit, you know, the type of hit that we hoped Caleb Johnson was going to be this time last or when he did arrive last year. Um, and then corner, you know, I think Devante, Brown can potentially be a hit or be a solid guy. And, uh, you know, Terry Roberts, I think, is to be determined. I think there's something there. Um, But let's see. So, And then Cam McCormick, you know, to me, that's just a role player. And so if he can fill that role of being a run-blocking tight end, that's a hit. So to me, you know, the transfer portal class last year wasn't quite good enough. Yeah and it needs to be better this year i think it will be but we won't find out until the end of spring ball really
1: yeah i don't know maybe this is like recency bias on my end but i do feel better about this first wave of transfer portal guys compared to compared too. to last year you know so i do think that that's a positive i think it's also you know worth noting that i mean we've said this in the past too uh, you know, that I, we do feel like, you know, Kim Messidor, Daryl Jackson, we're, and, and Mitchell Gude, who I think were maybe three of, again, the, on the, on the better side of the transfer, you know, halls were all, uh, you know, post spring addition. Right. So there is still There's more that room. window of it. There's still room for, you know, more, but I do, I do feel good. I, I think the two offensive linemen are, are massive. Like I think Matt Lee and JV and Cohen are, are two huge additions. I'm kind of with you on the wait and see mode on the defensive lineman. I mean, I feel pretty good about Branson Dean. I think they do also, but again, I think we still kind of have to to see it because he's not like, again, one of those big run stuffing space eating uh, defensive lineman. He's definitely, you know, more of like that interior guy. I think Francisco Malagoa again, just from like even the stage of development, like Caleb Johnson at the end of the day was like what a sixth year senior uh, Francisco Malagoa going into his third year. And I think he's, shown a lot of promising he's traits. ascending yeah exactly and then Devonte brown i mean i don't know i really love the length and all that stuff just kind of yes. seeing him, him in person and eyeing him i mean was just kind of a wow moment for me like i did not realize how long he was and then to see him and where he kind of tested uh you know in that speed which i mean again doesn't tell us the whole story but i think we we saw that he does yeah. have like that top gear so I mean, I'm very encouraged about Devontae Brown, obviously still kind of got to see it. And then again, I think feedback on, uh, on Terry Roberts has been pretty good. And, uh, you know, again, he was someone that at one point was going to be a starter for Iowa and maybe it was kind of still wait and see mode for even a lot of people in the program. But I think he's really, you know, attacked this offseason program. And I think that's gonna, I think his effort and, uh, you know, all those kind of intangibles is going to you know, find a way to, you know, translate onto the field. So again, I think this first wave of transfers, I feel better about this group than maybe I did last year's group. So I think in that way, I feel like maybe I'm a little bit more encouraged, but yeah, I mean, again, I I think we still have to see it.
0: Yeah, we just got to see it. And I think, you know, look, is this all, this whole discussion boils down to year over year improvement. They got to make the leap to at least eight wins, in my opinion, in the regular season this year. And to me, these transfer portal additions play a big role in that, whether you hit on them or not, because to me, the transfer portal can help you raise your floor. It helps you fill your holes on your roster, some immediate guys that can come in and uh, contribute at those spots, whereas I think the ceiling is kind of determined by your three to five year recruiting uh, window and success right. and, and player development with those uh, recruiting guys. So um, you know, I guess what I'm saying is the immediate raising of a floor happens with these portal guys. And we're going to see what they got this spring. It's going to be fun to see how the freshmen do and all that, but how many of those freshmen are really going to contribute this year? I don't know, but in the long run, yes, the freshmen will play a significant role in the ceiling of the program. So just a talking point. I don't know last year, I guess the main point was Yes, Miami did hit on some guys in the transfer portal last year, but it needs to be more this year. And yeah. uh, like you said, I think, I think it will be better, um, but you don't know till you actually go see it.
1: Yeah. David, I'm just going to throw this in there. I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but again, just kind of getting more feedback just on offensive line stuff, Zion, the freshman, just kind of trading messages. Uh, again, just more positive Samson, Akin Lola feedback. I mean, they feel good about both the offensive line, the freshman offensive lineman. But I think the feeling is that Samson is better than maybe they anticipated and just got the word elite in capital letters. So uh, I think that's something for, you know, again, just the fans listening to this podcast to be excited about with with spring football uh, right around the corner. Um, I'm just kind of staying on that transfer topic, David. Uh, My third topic that I'll roll with is uh, just kind of which position, just kind of like, again, maybe this is maybe looking too far ahead maybe not exactly what we're doing here but regardless just like which position group we walk away from spring from spring football feeling like they need to add to the portal or even vice versa because I remember this time last year I don't know if we were necessarily talking about like wide receiver being like a desperate need for the program you know like I don't think we were like Miney really really needs to add receiver but I think as the spring went on we were kind of like this you know receivers just yeah. are not doing what they need to do so just like i think that way or maybe even the other way around like is there a position group that we're kind of saying like you know maybe they need to add, add some transfer portal help here uh but maybe a few guys step up and we're like okay you know what maybe this group is maybe okay enough that if they didn't go and add anybody uh they would still be fine i think maybe like you know defensive tackle could be maybe in that category like if let's say an Ahmad Moten really emerges are they do they desperately need to go and find like this huge body they probably do anyways but maybe i guess a group that we would walk away feeling better better about than maybe we are going into spring
0: to me the group that potentially fits that is the secondary and to me it could be both corner and safety and you know to to feel good about it you got to have some young guys step up yeah and so like Marquise williams if he steps up that'd be encouraging brian balaam you know, he's a guy that I think dipped his toe in the portal and, and then took his name out of the portal. I think there's something there for, you know, a role for him as a rotational safety and then corner, you know, you've talked about Chris Graves. If he steps up, if Jaden Harris is a guy that they think, you know, they can depend on maybe then the need for corner isn't quite there. Like you would think, um, you know, going into spring, um, To me, I think receiver is still going to be a need once we're done with spring, Um, you know, an outside receiver. And um, I just think in general, like if a talented defensive lineman hits the portal, I think Mario Cristobal is always going to want to try and kick the tires on that situation. Would you push back on that?
1: No, no, I mean, I definitely wouldn't.
0: So I don't know. Any other thoughts on that?
1: No, I mean, again, I, I just think that, I mean, I, I think it's like the opposite side of the coin too, where it's just like, if there's a position group or maybe like even feeling like, okay, like maybe this room is okay or whatever, that would maybe we're walking away feeling like, okay, no, they like they definitely need, be, need to go at a guy. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there could be some groups that are maybe, like, I don't know, maybe are, are we going to walk away from spring feeling like, you know, maybe they do need to maybe go find a transfer quarterback to kind of fill the gap in like, you know, if it's really about Jakari redshirting or are yeah. they willing to burn a redshirt for Jakari? Like are we gonna walk away feeling like, you know, okay, maybe they should go find a guy that can just kind of be a serviceable, a serviceable backup, or maybe a young guy, you know, just in case something does happen or, or whatever the case may be. Maybe it's running back where we're just yeah, kind of feeling like, like I think like, that could be a fair one too, where it's just like, yeah, both of your true freshmen aren't here yet. You know, do we know again? Do we know if Trevante Citizens healthy? I mean, Dad Franklin has suffered through. Things in the past, we saw them basically at the buzzard last year. Go out and get the—I can't remember his name for the life of me right now. The kid who was at UAD and uh, was at like Tuskegee, and they went and grabbed him. I can't remember his name right now. uh But you know, just a situation like that where maybe you get out ahead of that rather than trying to scramble at the end after an injury. So I think there's just two sides to to that equation there that I'm kind of curious about.
0: I think the running back thing. We'll see how Don Chaney does this spring. I think if he looks good and they feel good about that situation. I think you can sell like, Hey, maybe we don't need to dip into the portal, but if uh, you know, if, if the numbers are light there in the spring, I think running back as a position you should dip into the portal for. Yeah. So um, I agree. I think it's, that's the thing too. Like all this stuff is very fluid. I think it's more fluid than the fans really realize um, both with the transfer portal and high school recruiting. So I think that's a fair point, uh, fair talking point. Um, for me, where do I want to go with to close this out? Um, I'll go with the low hanging fruit of the offense. And I just want to see the approach with the passing game. You know, I think with these offseason moves, Mario Cristobal is telling us, hey, I know I kind of got to open things up a little bit more than we had in 2022. Also, I kind of, he hinted at, he was on Joe Rose last Friday. He kind of hinted, like, hey, this Shannon Dawson style of offense probably is a style of offense that is better suited for quarterback Tyler Van Dyke. And I think we saw that even last year during that North Carolina game. Um, uh, you know, when they did tweak things a little bit with their approach, um, uh, now North Carolina's past defense was a train wreck, but nonetheless, Tyler Van Dyke threw for, you know, close to 500 yards in that game. Um, and so Tyler is, is more comfortable in this offense. And if that's the case, if that's what it takes to produce, uh, you know, yards and points, then. Why not go all in on it? And so, you know, I think Mario Cristobal with these moves is telling us that he is uh, going to more of a, I don't know if pass happy is the right way to say it, but just a pass friendly style of offense that is also going to be balanced and physical, um, which I like. And, uh, but, you know, what does it look like, you know, in scrimmage situations in the spring game? How is it all coming together? And, uh, you know, does Tyler look more comfortable running this style of offense? Because I think there's no denying Tyler has NFL arm talent, both with arm strength and his accuracy, I think, is NFL level, too, especially when he gets hot. Right. And, um, you know, when he is confident, I think he's an NFL level quarterback. Uh, I think at times he can be a little slow with his reads. And, you know, that was kind of more the Josh Gaddis style of offense. You had to go through your reads pretty quickly. Um, Whereas this offense simplifies things for Tyler. And I think that's going to benefit them. And I don't say this to throw any type of shade at Tyler. I think he's a very good quarterback. Uh, But this offense, I think, is going to make things easier for him at the position, like we saw with the Rhett Lashley offense. Um, And so I am curious, like, what is the approach with this offense marrying that style of passing game with the type of physical run game that, you know, will uh, deploy a lot of different run looks? Because one criticism I had with the Rhett Lashley style of offense was the The run game was fairly simplistic uh, from a schematic standpoint. That run game works when you have a big, physical, talented, run-blocking offensive line up front that can just win uh, against a defensive front. Miami has not had that – Miami's had a finesse offensive line here over the last three or four years. So, um, you know, I am curious – you know, is Mario gonna gonna put in some some pin pin and pull type of looks with this air raid passing attack, uh outside zone, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, just how does it all fit marry together? I'm curious what it looks like.
1: I, I mean, I think the idea of it is 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 really exciting yes. for all those reasons that you've mentioned. Again, I think if if you can be physical up front and you can run the ball the way that they want to run the ball with those, especially those interior guys that they got uh, who can kind of maybe, you know, champ, you know, just really elevate that running game. uh, You know, I think you, you you have to be really excited about what this offense can look like knowing like, you know, if you, if you feel like you have the confidence to run the ball the way that you want to run the ball, I think it could be like, I'm not going to say like, you know, perfect marriage or whatever like that. It's never, it's rarely ever anything like that, but I do think that, It's a, it's a, it's kind of like a best of both worlds situation where you're putting your quarterback in the best position to succeed, but you also have the personnel to play that physical brand, or at least you're getting closer to, you know, having the personnel up front to have that, you know, physical brand of, you know, we're going to run the ball when it's third and one, and you're going to have, again, you go up there, you beat your guy. So, uh, you know, I do think it's, it's really, really exciting of course i think the thing with this is always going to be david i know you've already you've mentioned this a, a few times it's like you know you, you this is an offense that obviously doesn't kind of you know you can't really do like the negative plays and those types of things i think that was something that kind of you know hurt miami you know in that Rhett lashley uh, era and what and that's kind of one of like the, the the downers of this type of offense especially if you go a little bit quicker but i think if this offense again you can be physical and you know you can run the ball well And then you again, you're putting Tyler Van Dyke in a situation where he's more comfortable in an offense that I think he's, you know, kind of thrived in when he had, you know, all the pieces kind of going, Um, you know, I do think that, you know, what this offense can be is is really exciting. So watching it actually, hopefully uh, come to fruition and seeing the steps that this offense takes and kind of watching the progression of maybe what it looks like, you know, day one compared to, you know, the spring, the spring game, whenever we get to that point, I guess, what is it mid mid April? Um, I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to be uh, encouraged and excited about. So, yeah, I mean, I think the offense, this new look offense is definitely going to be one of the storylines of, of spring football here at Miami. All right.
0: We'll get out of here on that. Good stuff here. Spring ball right around the corner. Again, check out inside the U.com. We'll have plenty of updates, et cetera, et cetera, from, Uh, the news coming out of the spring as well as all the recruiting happenings and uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Appreciate all our sponsors as always until next time. Take care.